Hello and welcome to another episode of Cheeky Scientist News. I'm Isaiah and we're going to jump in to an article entitled How to Use Data to Optimize Your Job Search. So what are the conversion rates you should be seeing for your outbound messages on LinkedIn? How often should an employer reply back to you in terms of uploading your resume? This article by Leslie Stevens Huffman that's just out talks about this. So when it comes to sending cold messages on LinkedIn, you should have a 50% response rate. Now that might seem incredibly high for what you're receiving right now, but if you take time to personalize your messages, which we'll talk about later on in the show today, you can get that level of response. So five out of 10 people should replying back to you. They should be connecting back with you even if they don't send a message in return. So how do you make that happen? Again, we'll cover it shortly. In terms of inbound outreach, so this is when you are networking with somebody for a job to get hired, okay? So you didn't just upload your resume, you also reached out to people who are working at the company, you've attacked it from those two different angles, you should have a response a bit higher than that, quite a bit higher, 90%. So if you're reaching out to people at the company, that doesn't mean you're, you're gonna get hired, doesn't mean you're gonna get an interview, that's the response rate you'll have if you reach out to multiple people at a company in, in, as well as uploading your resume. That's what the data shows in this article. On top of this, interview conversion rates. Now, it's important not to get these conversion rates uh, confused. Okay, so actually getting an interview, right, the conversion rate should be between 10 and 25% for that first interview in terms of the resumes that you upload. So if you upload 10 resumes, right, you'll want to get one to maybe two and a half of those back. Upload 100, you want to get 10 back, 25 back. Now, for, for many of you, if you're uploading similar resumes, very similar resumes, even if you're doing slight targeting and you're sending many of those out hundreds and you're not hearing back, your number is going to be much less than that. So what's the problem? The problem is with the quality of your resume. So there's always two parts to the job search game, okay? Quantity and quality. You have to have a high enough number of jobs you've applied to. Let's say last week you applied to four jobs. You didn't get hired. Okay, that's a quantity problem. But if you applied to 40, if you applied to 100, that's a quantity problem. Usually it's both. So these conversion rates will get you started. Final one, offer conversion rate, 50% of jobs. Uh, that you are interviewing for at the last stage interview, you should get a job offer for. So just 50%, less than you might think. Now, when it comes to sending messages, what do you want those messages to look like and why should you do it? What's the rationale? There's a great article by Will Alred that just came out, and it says, don't count on AI to help you in your job search. A lot of us are looking for the hack, right? We want to click the easy apply button. That's what this article talks about, is why you shouldn't count on that, but the tried and true cold message, what most of us hate to do, is the best way for getting a response. And what I like about this article is, is it has a specific structure for that cold email or that cold message, what should be in it. I'm going to tell you that in just a minute. Uh, it says, so far this year, U.S. companies have announced plans to cut 460,000 jobs. That's a lot, right? So the quote-unquote uh, spray and pray method does not work anymore. Instead, what the data shows is that sending out individualized cold emails, cold LinkedIn messages is your best chance for finding out if the job's even available in the first place and then getting through to an employer or an employee who can help you get hired. Right, so it has six key points. Confirm the job is still open. Jump right in. If, it's, if you're talking to a decision maker, a hiring manager, say, are you still hiring for XYZ positions? Don't fumble through niceties at the beginning. You want to be direct when it's a decision maker. Give, give context to show you've researched the company. Talk about what's going on at the company. Talk about the position. Talk about anything that you know that's happening in the market. Just show a little bit of understanding that this message is specific for them. You understand their company. Emphasize your strengths right away. Address your weaknesses at three and four respectively. 
mitigate the risk. So, so go to, going back to address your weaknesses, if you don't have industry experience, say that. You can say that right away. Mitigate the risk. Show you're working on the weakness, right? So say you don't have industry experience, but you have a high-level degree, perhaps, or you have ex these transferable skills. And then tentatively close. Confirm they're actively hiring. If the role is still open and you think it's a good fit, please check out my portfolio, my resume here. The cold email. Now, I want to talk a little bit about some of these hacks that a lot of us think uh, are going to save us time. One of these hacks is in this article by Danielle Abril uh, that just came out in the Washington Post about taking white text uh, from the job, so taking the job posting, putting it into white text to, to hide the fact that the entire job posting is on your resume and sticking it on the back end of your resume. The problem with this is, and it uh, lays this out in this article, and this is why you don't hear people recommending this much anymore, is because in the ATS system, it doesn't write Cat, uh, record the color of the text on the page. So when the employer, if they do look at it, they're going to see the text of your resume and then they're going to see the text even if it's white afterwards of the job posting. That hack doesn't work. Make sure you're not doing it. So I want to stay on AI for a bit. We've been talking a lot about generative AI, chat GPT as an example. So how can you use this to get hired? Well, first you want to decide on the task to automate. A lot of people don't even decide what they want to do. They say, okay, I want, I want you to write my resume. You want to chunk it down into something smaller, right? A good prompt is write a resume work experience section that includes these job titles and these dates. So it has some very specific prompts in this article. I think it's worth checking out. Uh, another one that it has is for interviewing. It says, in terms of an interview, it says, pretend you're an interviewer at this company for this job title, what are three questions you would ask me? What are three more questions? And so on. So this is an area where I think ChatGPT and some of the other AI is very helpful, asking them for interview questions for a particular industry or for a particular job. The AI boom creates concerns for recent graduates. This article just came out by Lauren Coffey. 52% of recent graduates question their preparedness. 46% feel threatened by new technology. Okay, not threatened like you can't understand it, but it's gonna take away a lot of the jobs that are out there that might be more entry level. And this goes on, and this is a, a survey of a, a, a thousand uh, people getting their higher education degrees um, and a thousand employers. So while 55% of recent graduates said AI could never replace their job, 57% of employers said entry level jobs or even entire teams could be replaced by AI. So there's a, there's a disconnect there. A lot of us getting out with our higher education degrees think, okay, well, this, this stuff's irreplaceable. I'm not gonna have to adjust my job search at all. I'm not gonna have to talk about different skills or, or change the language that I'm using for a job. But the employers themselves are saying at a very high rate, more than half, you know, entire teams. This is gonna be very disruptive. I mean, if you think about the content industry, the programming, right, the web development industry, lots of industries are already being disrupted. So you need to understand that you want to be the person who understands AI. And that takes me to the next article. AI skills, job postings, jump 450%. That's the, the verbatim title of the article. Uh, here's what companies want, right? So companies are looking for you to have generative AI skills, even if it's just experience using ChatGPT experience using BARD, Coral. There's lots of different AI systems out there now. Um, this, this has gone up from 450% last year because right, the, there was this tipping point in terms of everybody understanding what ChatGPT is, the rise of AI, and generative AI overall. Um, a senior economist in the article is quoted as saying that the share of job postings mentioning 
GPT or ChatGPT on LinkedIn has increased 599% from May 2022 until now. Okay, so what are some of these skills that you could be gaining? What are some of these AI uh, platforms that you could learn how to use and you could put that in your skills section on your resume? That's what I want you to be thinking about. I want to move past AI to talk about your cover letter. This is something that we need to discuss because the way that cover letters are used now are, is much different than it was, let's say, 10 years ago. Your cover letter is a, a narrative of why you fit at the company. You have to show them some business acumen. You've got to show them some understanding of what they do. Showing is the key. This is a great article by Allison Green that says how to write a cover letter that will get you a job. Very simple title, very straightforward article. First, understand the point of the cover letter. That's the rationale that I just explained. This needs to not just be regurgitated, your, your resume regurgitated. You gotta tell them who you are, why you want the job, why you're a good fit in the culture, who's somebody you talked to at the company already. Provide context to your resume. That's the point of it. All right, it says number two, whatever you do, don't summarize your resume, as I mentioned. Number three, you don't need a creative opening line, okay? Uh, very simply, you can say, I'm writing to apply for X position. I'd love to be considered for this position. I'm interested in this position. I know I'd be a good fit for this position. And then mention somebody you've talked to at the company, even if you just had a couple of back and forth messages. Even if you just connected with somebody at the company, they never talked back to you to say, hey, I recently connected with so-and-so at your organization on LinkedIn, took a deep dive into your company, found out I'd be a great fit for ABC role. There's some other pointers here too. If there's anything unusual about your candidacy or confusing about it, address it in the letter. Keep the tone warm and conversational. One thing I do not agree with is it says you do not need to hunt down the hiring manager's name. Now, I think you should take a look at the company's employees on LinkedIn, see who might be a hiring manager, and address it to hiring manager Jane Doe and team. So you don't have to find the exact right person. You can say a person's name and the team overall in case that person doesn't get the resume. Okay? Moving on to networking. Two great articles here on networking. Five tips to take the anxiety out of networking from a VP of growth. What I wanted to mention in this article that I was very surprised to see, and I completely agree with it, is it says, be a lone wolf. This is the article. It says, be a lone wolf. Why is that important? A lot of us go to networking events and we want to bring somebody with us to make us feel better. And we stay there with the same three people we know or three people that we came with that we already know and we end up talking to them and then nobody comes to greet us. You want to go to networking events without anybody that you know. Right? You want to you force yourself to go up and talk to other people. And just by being alone, it actually invites other people to come up and talk to you. It's a great article. I would take a look at it. It does talk about wearing what other people are not wearing. Either be the best, best dressed, the most overdressed person there, or the most underdressed person there. This, and it quotes some studies, has shown that people are more likely to come up and talk to you in either of those cases because you stand out. Remember, the goal of networking is you want to connect, but you also want to stand out. Strategic networking, 13 unique ways to grow your LinkedIn connections. I like this article. It's by Judy Hayes, uh, a Forbes council member. And I recommend taking a look at it. It's, it's just a listicle, and it goes start with your profile, tap into the alumni feature, initiate warm introductions. If you're not using your alumni feature, even if you have one institution behind you, let alone two or three, if you have an advanced degree, you are missing out. Right? Study after study shows that alumni, people that have gone to the same university as you even 20 years ago that are in higher level positions are very likely to give you a, refer a referral compared to anybody else, especially after cold reach out. Um, read trade association and top industry leader, leader lists. 
Right? Make sure that you're maybe looking at, if you want to get hired in the biotech industry as an example, Fierce Biotech. Right? There's other uh, platforms as well. Find out what those are for the sector you want to get into and start reading them so you understand what's going on. The mergers and acquisitions, the restructurings, anything else that might be mentioned on a earnings call for a publicly traded company. Engage with speakers from the industry. Reach out strategically to authors on LinkedIn. I love that strategy. If you find an article you like on LinkedIn, go find them first. Reach out to the person who wrote it. Send them a direct message. They're very likely to get back to you and very likely to connect with you. A lot of them are trying to build up their connections as well. And then you'll be able to uh, gain further connections in terms of secondary and, and tertiary connections. Okay, so there's a couple of things that are trending right now. One of them, of course, is quantum computing. There's a great article in the future of work that just came out. Here's what quantum computing is and how it's going to impact the future of work, according to a software engineer. If you don't know what quantum computing is, okay, so traditional computers rely on a series of mathematical equations that use electrical impulses to encode information in a binary system of ones and zeros. Think of the movie The Matrix, right? The ones and the zeros coming down. Okay, unlike traditional computing, quantum computing relies on the principles of quantum theory, which address principles of matter and energy on an atomic and subatomic scale with quantum computing equations. Uh, equations are no longer limited to ones and zeros, but instead can transmit information in which particles exist in both states, the one and the zero at the same time. Okay, so it really, it measures electrons and photons. These subatomic particles are known as quantum bits or qubits. The more qubits that are used in the computational exercise, the more expon exponentially powerful the scope of the computation can be. This is a rapidly growing field in many industries, not just tech, uh, in the pharmaceutical industry as well. So if you can gain a basic understanding of quantum com computing, you don't have to be an engineer, Right? You can be on the forefront in terms of your job candidacy, just like mentioning AI skills, even basic ones. Even if you put, I have an understanding of this. At least if you have a background, uh, of course, uh, in engineering, this is an area um, that you're likely already aware of, and it's expected to expand quite a bit. In fact, there's a statistic in the article that talks about how much venture capital has been investing uh, into this, and the number is not small. Okay, it's up by 500% since 2015 in terms of venture capital investments in quantum computing. This is an article from Business Insider. Job seekers are still intrigued by the tech industry even after layoffs and the threat to AI. So the Bureau of Labor Statistics has shown that jobs are increasing now in tech. So they took a nosedive at the start of the year, but they are increasing. That's the main reason I pulled this article. If you're interested in getting hired in tech, now is the time, it's back on the upswing. Last thing I wanna talk about, Gen Z lost so many soft skills over the last couple of years that employers are providing socialization classes. Soft skills and skills overall are being pushed right now by LinkedIn, by IBM, right? In, in this article by Deloitte, the management consulting industry. If you can show that you have soft, I mean, think about this. They lost so many soft skills, they're providing socialization classes. So what are, what are in those classes? Uh, presentation skills, public speaking skills, um, working with other people face to face, skills like teamwork, okay? This, these are not uh, skills that are, that are new that haven't been around for decades. They, they've been around uh, for, for a very long time, but people aren't as used to talking in person anymore. There's more and more companies requiring people to go back to the offices. You can get ahead in the job market with these soft skills or transferable skills as we refer to them. 
uh, take the skills that the employer wants to see on the job posting, not just the niche skills, but the transferable skills as well. Communicate them on your resume, your cover letter. When you do some cold reach out, make sure you mention those as a strength as well. This takes us to the end of today's new show. Stay current, stay competitive in today's job market, and we'll see you next time. Thanks.